Imagine that you just got home from work and the first thing your partner says when you walk in the door is, can we talk? I feel like you've been distant lately. I just want to know what's wrong. You're already irritated by the horrible traffic you had on the way home and just the thought of having this kind of conversation with your partner emotionally exhausts you. You say, nothing's wrong, unconvincingly, and go into the other room. You turn on the TV and totally check out. You just don't feel like thinking right now. Your partner follows you in the room and they say, okay, there is definitely something bothering you. Can you please just tell me what's going on? Your partner starts to tear up a little bit and you suddenly feel really angry and uncomfortable. You think, I can't deal with this right now and just say, I don't know what you're talking about. They leave the room very upset And for the rest of the night, you feel angry with your partner for getting emotional. You also feel very stressed about having to eventually tell them why you're upset. And instead of processing your stress, you completely numb yourself from your thoughts and feelings and just binge watch Netflix for the rest of the night. This is a day in the life of somebody with a dismissive avoidant attachment style. Today we're going to be going through some of the signs of a dismissive avoidant attachment style to help you know if that's what you lean toward. Um, We're mostly going to be talking about how you can move from a dismissive avoidant attachment style to a secure attachment style in the same relationship with your partner. Um, We're just going to go through three practices, three tips that can help you move in that direction to a more secure place instead of this disconnected zone that people with the dismissive avoidant attachment style often go to. So stay with me here today and hopefully I can help offer some guidance that can help you move from a dismissive avoidant attachment style to a secure attachment. If you lean toward a dismissive avoidant attachment style, you likely seem and feel like you have things under control. People perceive you as one who is really well put together, never really shows emotion. Um, You also see yourself that way and you see it as a strength. Um, You have a really hard time relying on other people to get your needs met and you are very uncomfortable seeing others get emotional and you're quite uncomfortable yourself being vulnerable or getting emotional at all especially in front of people Um, likely the only time you've ever cried if you cry is somewhere alone where no one can hear you you also might tend to try to pick out the bad things about your partner or Um, Look for the flaws in your partner, particularly when they try to get close to you or when they become really vulnerable with you, try to connect with you. Um, You might feel this need or this urgency to um, push them away. And as much as you, you do truly want to feel close with them, your fear of being too close kind of overrides that and you push them away using, you know, mean comments or possibly just a cold shoulder and not giving them a response. 
So why does this happen? Why does someone with a dismissive avoidant attachment style do these things when sometimes they know that it's not really the the healthy thing to do even? Um, A lot of these behaviors are trauma responses. They are the way you got through your childhood. A lot of people who have a dismissive avoidant attachment style grew up in homes where things were very strict. There was a lot of high expectations, but not very much love. So a lot of criticism um, and a lot of drama, I guess you could say, but very little warmth in their home. Um, And they found that not engaging, not being vulnerable, not trying to connect kept them safe from being hurt. And so that's kind of where these walls came from because, I mean, generally speaking, if you grew up in this home, some people with a dismissive avoidant attachment style have a different upbringing, but this is a really common trend among people with this style. So anyway, if you grew up in a strict home or with parents who were very emotionally absent, this is likely, you know, some of the, the traits you developed um, as a way of keeping yourself safe from any kind of emotional trauma that they often brought on um, when they were critical of you. Um, you probably spent a lot of time in your childhood trying to get their approval um, trying to get, get them to connect with you, you know, just trying to get those basic needs of love and belonging met. Um, but every single time you were shut down, um, every single time you were criticized or made fun of or, you know, a number of emotionally unhealthy things were, were done to you. And so you found that over time, just relying on yourself and meeting your own needs without opening up to anybody or um, trying to be vulnerable with anybody was the best way to get those needs met. Another reason why you might have a really hard time showing emotion with your partner or just being vulnerable with them is because in childhood with that strict parent or that emotionally absent parent, they may have used your emotions against you. They may have told you that showing emotion was a sign of weakness, that it was a sign of mental instability, um, and and so on. And so whenever they you had just a fraction of emotion, they would use it against you as a way to kind of win, quote unquote, win the argument. And so you found that not showing emotion or appearing in control of your emotions, you know, completely shutting out from your own emotional world was a way to show strength um, and also a way to protect yourself from being criticized even more by your parents or um, being seen as weak and kind of being, I don't know the right word, but exploited by them if that's the right word. So let's just say that if you have a dismissive avoidant attachment style you likely are shutting people out and shutting your own emotions out as a way to protect yourself from getting hurt um, because of past negative experiences, particularly in childhood with your parents. So let's go ahead and talk about three things that you can do to 
kind of counteract these these behaviors and move toward a place of secure attachment with your partner in the same relationship. My first tip, of course, is to step-by-step, little-by-little, try to be vulnerable with your partner. You can't get to a place of secure connection unless you're willing to trust your partner, that they will be safe with you, that they will take good care of you when you're emotionally vulnerable. You have to eventually be able to rely on somebody else besides yourself to help you meet your emotional needs. And like I said, you can do this in small doses. You can even just share little things like when you're feeling a certain emotion to be aware of that and share it in the moment. So you don't even have to cry in front of your partner if you're not ready or if you're not feeling it, but just to acknowledge when you're feeling sad or disappointed or frustrated and say that out loud to your partner. Tell them, I am feeling really down today or I am feeling really disappointed by what happened today. Um, and just maybe even opening up if you, if you feel safe enough to do so, maybe you can open up even more and discuss why you feel the way you feel. And really, being vulnerable is not always the same thing as being emotional around your partner. So I think this is something that the dismissive avoidant attachment style people with this style get confused sometimes is that in order to be vulnerable, you have to show, outwardly show your emotions like crying, right? Um, but that's just not the case always. Being, a, being vulnerable really just means that you're being honest and you're being genuine about what you're thinking and what you're feeling in the moment instead of shutting somebody out and um, being so independent and not allowing other people to come into your world, right? Being vulnerable is just allowing others to be a part of your emotional world and opening up about those things. So this is something that is really hard for somebody with a dismissive avoidant attachment style because like I said earlier, just the way, whether it was the way they were raised or just the way they, you internalized things, um, being emotional, showing emotion, or even just being honest about having a negative feeling can sometimes, aside from anger, can sometimes be really hard because you only have negative connotations with it. You only see those things as a sign of weakness. Um, and that's just not how it really is. Your emotions are there to tell you when there's something wrong, when there's something not sitting right with you, okay? It's not there to, they're not there to mess with you. They're not there to bother you. They're there to tell you, you need to change something. You need to go talk to your partner about something and you need to resolve something or you need to resolve something within yourself. The reason you feel so much discomfort when you have emotion is because it's telling you it's time to be vulnerable and that's something you try to push away. So it's really just this negative cycle that that takes a lot of work to stop. So that's the very next point we're going to talk about. The next step is to recognize and remind yourself that your emotions, those hidden parts of you that you hide so well, are it's okay to bring them to the surface and 
try to resolve them. Um, so I guess step two would be to be compassionate and change your view and your schema of what emotion means. This is obviously going to take a lot of time, but something small you can do in order to get to that place is to every single time you feel just this that automatic response to shut down, that automatic response to get on your phone and, you know, completely zone out and numb yourself from your feelings. Every time you have that urge to just kind of disconnect from these these big feelings you're having inside of you, um, you have to intentionally, on purpose, let them come to the surface and tell yourself, it's okay that I'm feeling sad right now. It's okay that I want to cry. And even it's okay that I feel like crying but don't want to cry. You know, just just acknowledge these parts of yourself that you're pushing away and and be more kind to yourself and let them come to the surface. And if you and if you can't do it that that time, just like I said before, be compassionate to yourself and be like, "Hey, today I had a really hard time opening up because this is something that's not easy for me." And I'm going to be nice to myself and I'm going to, you know, it's okay. And I'm just going to try next time or I'm going to take a break here and just zone out for a little bit. But I'm going to come back to this. Like I'm not going to keep pushing this under the rug. So just be aware. Become an observer. I, I said this in my last podcast with anxious attachment. This is something that you and somebody with anxious attachment has in common is that you both need to be very aware of yourself and what's going on inside. So, or, or just, you know, be aware of your actions. So the second you feel yourself like that urge to just like get on your phone and totally zone out, which is called like dissociating or, you know, turn on the TV or just like go to sleep or, you know, do something that distracts you from everything that's going on inside. When you feel those, the, that, you know, automatic response to do that, stop yourself and just sit there and think about what you're thinking. Like think your thoughts feel your feelings and just like acknowledge that they're there. Um, the more you do this, the more you'll realize that showing your emotions and like allowing yourself to feel them is actually a sign of strength and not a sign of weakness. It takes so much courage and bravery and strength to acknowledge and process your emotions and talk about your emotions. That's so much harder to do, but it's it's so much better for you and it's so it it allows you to grow and allows you allows you to be stronger that's it's so much easier to just shove things under the rug and zone out and you think you're being so strong but really the strong and brave thing to do is to be vulnerable is to you know like I said process those emotions my last piece of advice for today for those who lean toward an a dismissive avoidant attachment style is to learn what healthy boundaries look like. Um, I think we, those with an avoidant attachment style, um, might think that they they're super good at having boundaries because they're like, oh yeah, like I never um, 
like bother other people with my problems or like, you know, whenever, when I, when, when anyone else comes to me and is emotional, when my partner comes to me and is emotional, I'm like, oh, like I'm not taking that on. Um, sometimes that's, that's helpful and healthy. Um, but true boundaries allow us to have a deeper connection with our partner. True boundaries, real healthy boundaries allow us to have a greater connection with our partner. So if you're doing things that you call boundaries that are, you know, hiding in your room, um, watching TV or refusing to like watching TV as a refusal to have a discussion or engage in like a conversation with your partner who's, you know, struggling or, you know, wants to talk about something with you. Um, that's not really a healthy boundary. It's, it's, it's a hard balance because obviously like it's okay if you do get emotionally flooded and you do feel like, okay, I can't talk about this right now in a way that's going to be, you know, productive to the conversation. Like I need to take a break. That's totally fine. But you have to be open about that. You can't just be like, oh, I'm not talking about this. And then like slamming the door and leaving. You have to be like, look, I, I acknowledge that you're really frustrated right now. And like, but I'm feeling really overwhelmed and I, I want to talk about this with you, but, but can we please do it later tonight or tomorrow? Um, when I'm not, you know, feeling so overwhelmed and just making like being really open about you know like I'm gonna set a boundary here just for now and we can come back to this um so like I said boundaries healthy boundaries are put in place to give you more connection so if you're feeling like what you're doing is actually like separating you and distancing you from your partner to a point where like there's an emotional disconnect then it's probably not actually as healthy of a boundary as you think it is. A good way to gauge whether a boundary is healthy or not is to ask yourself, is this in the best interest of me and my partner? So for instance, uh, a healthy boundary would be, you know, if you say, listen, I, I understand that you're upset, but with you yelling at me right now, like I cannot focus. I feel overwhelmed. Like, and I, I, don't appreciate you yelling at me and until you can calm down and I can calm down like we can't have this conversation that's in the best interest of everyone because you're recognizing that you can't have a productive uh, conversation while your partner is so is so upset that they're yelling right Um, but an unhealthy boundary is if your partner comes to you and is like hey I feel really disconnected from you like I just feel like you've been kind of avoiding me the past week and like I want to know what's going on for you and I just really feel like I want to be close you know like I want to know what's going on and you're like you're like leave me alone like I I don't want to talk about it you know and you're like just like we're not talking about this right now that's and then you you call that some kind of boundary like oh like I don't want to talk about my feelings (laughs) um I hate to break it to you but it's it's not a healthy boundary um because it's not really in the best interest of everyone unless of course you are like in a place where you're like oh if I say anything I'll start yelling you know that's probably better not to but you have to come back to that conversation because clearly your partner is not feeling okay and they they need they're checking in with you they're they want they want to feel emotionally close and they want you to engage with them and connect with them 
And you just completely rejecting that is not a boundary because it's not in their best interest or your best interest because you're you're pushing yourself farther away. Um, that's a perfect opportunity for you to be like, hey, okay, yeah, I am really upset. And I, to be honest, I don't know why. Like, I just know there was something that happened today and I've been feeling kind of triggered ever since. And like, I really don't know like why I feel so upset about it, but I just do. And then you can talk about it and your partner's most likely going to be like, oh my gosh, like, this is so like, I'm so sorry. Like, why do you think this is? And, and they'll just be there to support you. Or even if it's like something they did, like, hey, you did something earlier today and it like really made me super sad. And like, I don't exactly know why yet, but it did. They'll be like, I mean, hopefully (laughs) they'll be like, oh, I'm so sorry. Like, I didn't realize that would upset you so much. Like, I want to know why. Like, I let's talk about it. And it just opens you up to being able to explore these emotions together. And, And I guarantee at the end of the conversation, if you, you know, implement these these healthy boundaries and you allow yourself to be vulnerable in this way and just be honest about what's going on for you. I guarantee that you'll feel closer, you'll feel happier, you'll feel, and probably most of all, you'll feel the like the most at peace after having these discussions. Like you're 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 holding yourself back from having so much peace in your relationship because you think that it's easier to just shut down. And this is like probably the one of the more important things or one of the best things you can work on to get to this place of like security and like connection with your partner if you're struggling with this uh, dismissive avoidant attachment style. All right, guys. So today we've talked about the dismissive avoidant attachment style and we've kind of gone into like the background of where where it can come from, um, some of the signs that you might have this style or like lean toward this style. Um, But mostly we've talked about the three things you can do to um, move to a place of more security and connection in your relationship with your partner if you lean toward this style. Um, So number one, we've talked about sharing small vulnerabilities, being vulnerable like just little by little, step by step with your partner. So, you know, just opening up about times where you've been, where you feel disappointed or upset or even overwhelmed, just like taking those opportunities to, to do that. Number two is, um, processing your emotions, like being self-aware and recognizing when you want to push things away, when you want to push feelings away, um, opening up and like processing, Number three is learning what healthy boundaries really are and um, gauging whether or not the boundary you think you're setting is or the boundary you're setting is healthy or not, whether or not it's in the best interest of you and your partner. Um, So these three things together can just help you kind of like start acknowledging what's going on and like processing what you've been pushing away um, and hopefully eventually allowing you to get to a point where being open and vulnerable, being honest about what you're feeling, especially with your partner is like not scary anymore. You know, it's not like embarrassing or um, like hard to do. It's just something that you, you do, you know, it's something that like comes naturally. I mean, 
hopefully you can get to that point. I think it's it's absolutely possible. Anyone can move from an insecure attachment to a secure ta- attachment. I've seen it happen in my own relationship um, with me and my husband. I've me personally, I've moved from anxious attachment to a secure attachment, and my husband has moved from an avoidant attachment, a dismissive avoidant attachment to a secure attachment with me. I've watched him um, develop. I've watched him be able to like start opening up and being honest with me um, about how he's feeling because that wasn't always the case when we first like started when we were first together. Um, so I know it's possible. Like it's not just like you're not an exception to this. Like you can get to a point where being like open about how you're feeling is not as like excruciatingly hard as as it is now. Um, I I believe in you. <laughs> So, yeah, I, guys, I really had a fun time with this episode. I think this is probably, like, my favorite episode today. I know there's only, this is only the third one. Um, But I'm really excited next time um, I'm going to be talking about the fearful avoidant attachment style. This one's a little more uncommon. Like, not as many people have this. um, Or at least if they do, it's, like, harder to recognize just because they're, it's kind of, like, unpredictable. Um, but I'm really excited to talk about it, um, and hopefully we'll we'll get that out soon. I wish I could be more like consistent, you guys, but life is really crazy right now. So hopefully we'll have that out within like the next month. Um, and yeah, uh, if you love this podcast, please share it with a friend, or if you know somebody who has like feels like similarly to you as um, as this, like send this to them. Like they'll pre- they'll appreciate it. Um, like and subscribe and please leave a five-star review if you love this episode or just in general or really enjoying the podcast. Um, thank you so much for listening. Mm-hmm.